0: to the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Let's join our geeky hosts on this week's episode.
1: And welcome to another episode of Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. The podcast where we geeks drink and tell you things and stuff. Uh, so Adam is not with us today. I am joined by uh, a re- recurring guest, Megan. Say hi. Hello. Um, Adam is on vacation and unable to join us this week, which is totally fine. Traitor. he's sitting on a beach somewhere nice and drinking mai tais probably virgin mai tais because that's how he rolls (laughs) all right folks well before we dive into this week's episode it's time for me and megan to tell you about our drink of the week
0: beverage and join along as the geeks discuss the drink of the week
1: all right Megan what are we drinking this week
2: um so it is called the black peak um whiskey from stranahan's it's colorado brew yeah
1: another local one um what makes this one so special
2: well, my boss is retiring, and I was thinking about what to get him, decided to get him some whiskey, but while reading it, I decided I also need the whiskey.
1: Yeah. So, this one is uh, barreled in tequila barrels.
2: Tequila, yes. Yes,
1: it's re-fermented in tequila barrels, so it's got a little bit more of a little oomph to it. It's 90 proof, 45% alcohol. Um, all right. Well, let's do this, Megan. All
2: right, cheers. Cheers. Woo.
1: Woo. Very smooth. Burns a little bit like a good whiskey should, but really makes that side of your tongue uh, pucker up a little bit.
2: Yeah, I also noticed a slight sweet undertone to it.
1: Yeah, goes good, really good with a piece of chocolate afterwards. Yes. Alright, well folks, now that we've had a little bit of whiskey to start off the podcast, we're going to talk to you about our topic of the week.
0: What are the geeks going to talk about this week?
1: All right, folks, this week, and you know, way before we jump into it, we kind of got a little sidetracked real fast there. <clears throat> We've got to tell everyone where to find us. You're going to find, follow, like, subscribe, all that good stuff at GeekDrinkPod um, on all social media platforms Facebook, Instagram, X, TikTok, Discord. I um,
2: hungerforyou.com.
1: I hungerforyou.com. Uh, getting a little snowy in here tonight.net. <laughs> I'll show you my snake you show me your bird oh, alright folks well we are going to talk about if that didn't give it away we're talking about the newest Hunger Games movie that came out this year or last year I guess now the Hunger Games the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes so um, Megan you read the books um, and you read this book before even the movie was announced do you think this movie held up really well to the book
2: i do i think that it was a pretty hard transcript from the book to the movie but the way that they did it i think was brilliant
1: okay um so tell us you know was it was it faithful adaptation did they have some creative liberties maybe some things that they could have done as well in the book or in the movie that they could have done that they did in the book
2: no, I think that they did pretty good. Um, I think that they made, you know, the doctor that is played by, oh my gosh, what is her name? Viola Davis. Viola Davis. I think that they did her justice.
1: Yeah, Dr. Gall.
2: Yeah. I mean, they had a great cast to begin with. I think that oh, yeah. they couldn't have played this off if they didn't have such a great cast. Yeah,
1: yeah. so they've got, you know, Tom Blythe um, playing the young Cornelius Cornelia Snow, or Coriolanus. Yola, that's weird how they, I thought it yeah. was Qu- Quirlinius, but you know, anyway, um, so who was, uh, in the first Hunger Games movies, um, played by Donald Sutherland in the first four movies, um, this is obviously a much younger version, uh, like 65 years younger.
2: Yeah, he's probably high school age, maybe 17, 18, 18.
1: 18. Yeah, um, you've got Rachel Zeigler, um from West Side Story, now playing Lucy uh, Gray-Baird, the lead protagonist, kind of almost antagonist too, in this
2: film. Yeah. She doesn't really become an antagonist till the end, though.
1: True. Uh, Like we said, we got Viola Viola Davis playing Dr. Gall, Peter Dinklage playing uh, Mr. Highbottom, and of course Jason Schwartzman playing Lucky Flickerman, the grandfather of, uh, uh, oh, God, the, the last... I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, he was the host of the Caesar. Hunger Games. Caesar Flickerman. Flickerman. Yeah, there you go. You would know him How can
2: since... you forget? Caesar Flickerman! <laughs>
1: and then Hunter Schafer playing Tigress, um, who was obviously in the last Hunger Games movie.
2: Yeah, unsafe to everybody.
1: Yeah, which I didn't realize until we were watching this. And I was like, ooh, why is she so important? And then I realized why.
2: Yeah, well, and I think in the third movie nobody really knew how she was important how she was um, related to snow and how her betrayal of him was so significant
1: yes oh yeah now it really plays a big part of uh, the 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 final films the original the original films
2: yeah
1: all right so for those who haven't seen this film um, so there's a hundred million dollar budget it's taken in 33 Three hundred thirty-two million dollars um, so far in the box office. It's now available for purchase, uh, not quite in the streaming platforms yet. Um, this film definitely takes a different kind of undertone than the first four movies. You know, that was about Katniss. It's about the the first one's really about the Hunger Games. The second, three, like the next three are about the Resistance and and her becoming the Resistance, the the, the face of the Resistance. This is more about how Snow became President Snow that we all love to hate.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, let's back up just a little bit. I think one of the more interesting parts of this movie is that in the beginning you see the original war um, that took 75 years before, you know, the the second or third movie. Um, So I think that's really interesting part of this is that you actually got to see... Snow in a lot of poverty, looking for food with his um, cousin. R- really just, you know, seeing cannibalism in the capital because of the war. So you can kind of see where the Hunger Games came from, which was really interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, you see a little bit more of, you know, like I said, when we saw this in theaters for the first time, and when we rewatched watched this again before today, you really kind of see... Um, how hard it was on on the Capitol to an extent. You also kind of have a little soft spot for Snow at the beginning of this movie, yeah. even though you re- if, paid, if you if you watch the other movies, you kind of already hate him.
2: Yeah, I think they played it off really well. Um, I think giving them the context around the Hunger War, I think, was really important to kind of set him up as the protagonist in this film.
1: Yeah. Um... So let's talk about his dynamic with uh, Miss Lucy Gray. Obviously, um, Lucy, so Rachel Zagler well well known for uh, West Side Story. Obviously, she's got some musical talent, so they kind of played it off played it up a lot in this film as well. Um, in the book, was she very musically inclined? Yes. Okay, so that makes sense. Um, beautiful voice this young woman. Yes. Um, I mean, I love the soundtrack. How about you?
2: Yeah, I absolutely love the soundtrack. As I think, you know, I'm getting older. I'm liking more of that folksy type of music. I'm and soft, Megan. Yes, all the time. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that it's a very interesting soundtrack, and I love her voice. I do think that she did look maybe a little bit older than the character in the book. Yeah,
1: and what she described in the book is so kind of skinny.
2: Yeah, I mean, she was like a, you know, I don't think that they really explained it that much, but I would say that you know she's supposed to be like a girl of you know maybe sixteen, seventeen, and here she is. I don't know. She does look like she's in her twenties, in my opinion.
1: Does I think Snow kind of almost looks older too.
2: A little bit, but, you know, I think that you, he could have at least played it off a little bit better. Yeah. But I think the whole reason why they casted her was because of her voice. and Oh, that's a phenomenal voice. Yeah, and her sass and her, the way that she carried herself.
1: <laughs> a lot of sass in that, young lady. Um, I sound like an old man saying Yeah, this. you did. Geez. Wow. <laughs> um, so, you know, this film, I think it's kind of interesting because, you know, watching the, the original Hunger Games movies and then coming into this one, you know, knowing the rebellion that's going to come in 60 plus years from now, seeing kind of a little bit of the seeds being planted a little bit early on with um, people voicing out against the Hunger Games. It's not well watched. It's not the spectacle it is yet.
2: Um, Well, and that's part of something that you did see in the movie was that um, if you looked at the District 12, how open it was it wasn't completely closed off with the barbed wire fence yeah you know obviously the covey could get out and go fish um out on the land um i don't think it was as restricted i think that they found ways to get around it and obviously katniss did too in her era but at that point you saw a lot of um fencing people looked more haggard than they did in this movie
1: yeah yeah definitely did i mean maybe part of that is the after effects of the war not- being fully recovered from in some aspects yeah. um you know you've got um jose or sorry josh Andres riviera playing serjanus plinth um kind of outspoken youth about what the hunger games is he's a uh his father is very rich and bought their way out of district two
2: into the capital yeah so he is from the districts which yeah. that whole thing was messed up what happened to him um you Know his father wanted to prove to him that he was capital, so he basically gave him a tribute that's part of District 2, which is where they were from, and basically made it a spectacle out of the sun, which I thought was pretty screwed up.
1: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, you can see him kind of dealing with that throughout the whole film. Um, even when they, you know, um, and we're, we're trying to avoid as much as we can just because it's still pretty new out there for. Some people.
2: Well, I mean, if if you've watched it, or if you haven't watched it, you should probably not hit listen pause, to this. Hit
1: pause. <laughs> go rent it. Watch it. And Come back and give us a listen. Um, but you know, you've got him. You know, they, him and and Snow are now working as peacekeepers. They're in District Twelve, and he's actively trying to help the citizens of Twelve. Not so much for mental rebellion initially. But kind of goes that way with with the guns and, and getting arms for them and um, that whole scenario that plays out for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that his he's always been the same character though, from the beginning to the end. Obviously, near the end, he became more radicalized and um, wanted to do more help. Um, where you know, Snow went kind of the opposite direction. Um, But he's always been kind of the same character where I see Snow, you know, originally was somebody that you could relate to, but as time went on, the more he kind of turned more towards the dark side, if you want to say.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, You get a little bit more of his descent, I guess, is the best way to call it, maybe.
2: Yeah. I mean, you see him in the beginning and you're like, oh man, here's this poor kid and, you know, he, he can't even buy a shirt or food for his family, um, and here he's trying to win this award to get money. To go to school. To go to school so that he can make a living for himself and his family.
1: Yeah, and you see him play it off a lot as, you know, the snows are still very rich and powerful in society and most people know that's not the case. It's it's all a show at that point. Yeah. Um, he just happens to live in the capital Um it's also kind of interesting to see how people kind of look disapprovingly on his family name. Yeah. Um, because and, of his father. Because of his father. And his father was um, credited as one of the creators of The Hunger Games, um, along with Highbottom, during a drunken night as a, as a thesis. Yes. Um, and that kind of plays into Peter Dinklage's portrayal of, of Mr. Highbottom um, I guess I call it by his first name, Cassica. Cassica. Yeah. Um really having it out for uh Snow and really having um almost a personal vendetta against him.
2: And well he only had a personal vendetta against him because he felt like you know, Snow's father really wanted the Hunger Games to be successful, whereas he did not want it to be successful. He wanted it as more of a joke or some sort of, you know, radical idea that they had over some drinks. And, um, you know, Snow's father wanted the exact opposite. He wanted it to be successful and was serious about the whole Hunger Games, which ended up coming into fruition. So Peter Dinklage's character actually kind of went into his own descent into, was it morphling? I think it was. Yeah, morphling.
1: Their version of morphine. Obviously. Yeah,
2: but I mean, you take it orally or I guess intravenously too. But yeah, so he ended up going into his own descent of an um, addiction. Order, yeah, an yeah, addiction in order to, you know, live with himself for what he's done for the Hunger Games.
1: And it turns out to be his downfall.
2: Yeah. Spoiler!
1: Spoiler alert. Um, so Megan, let's talk a little bit about. You know, we, me and Adam talked about this in, in previous episodes. The need for prequels, the need for us to revisit properties that have run their course. Um, obviously, the book was written after the movies have come out. Um, do you think that her, Suzanne Collins, the writer of the book in the series, um, writing this book and then making a film about it, do you think it was... Something that audiences needed to further the story, or do you think it was just, hey, you know, we've made four movies, they were they they made some good money, and let's try a fifth one and see what happens.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're a major fan of Suzanne Collins, like I was, I read her books twice, um, and then I read this book once. But um, I think if you're a major fan of her um, novels, or I'm sorry, your her books, I think that you would find that. This was a necessary addition to the whole series because when you're reading her books, you are kind of wondering how did it get to be like this? Because their original, um, the original state was much like what we have today, yeah, and it's, it's, it's completely destroyed, um, and you don't know why. You have no idea why.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and one thing I kind of brought up during the. Um during the rewatch today is what's going on with the rest of the world yeah because we know that pan am um is
2: it's likely in colorado
1: well yeah the capital um from everything i've read the capital is kind of wyoming mountains of wyoming yeah. um it's like the rocky mountains yeah it's
2: basically the rocky mountains it's like wyoming colorado it's a it's a pretty big yeah area
1: so here I pulled up for, for the and I'll, I'll put this in the, in the description, or in, the, uh, in, in our Facebook and Instagram pages, a map of what they perceive the capital and the districts look like. So obviously, I think, in looking at this, it's North America, obviously global warming has happened, because um, there is no more Florida. Most of Mexico is kind of underwater. Yeah. Um, but what's going on with the rest of the world? That's my biggest question. Because we only ever hear about Pan Am. Is the rest of the world gone? What do you think?
2: I don't think the rest of the world is gone, but it's probably gone into its own form of government that maybe is not really connected to the rest of the world. And I think that that's just kind of something that is likely to happen if global warming or some sort of mass event takes place. I think that any country is going to probably go into itself and not really... Maybe talk to the rest of the world, um, depending on how bad the global event really was, you know, and depending on what the survivors are like, too. I mean, there could have been a very small subset of survivors in North America that, you know, because you really don't see that many people. I mean, if you look at Pan Am, yeah, that's probably the most populated city. But if you look at District 11 or District 12, you really don't have a huge population of people there. No.
1: You know the the powerful districts are obviously one, two, and least importance as it goes down. Um, you know, district one is a lot of the the luxury district. They produce a lot of luxury goods. Like district two is the the stone, the milling. You know, and protection. Uh, protection. District three is the smart district. You know, the hardware and that kind of stuff. Um, so as we kind of get into a little more lore of the Hunger Games with this film. You know, really what turns it into the spectacle before this, you know, all the Hunger Games for the first nine before this, this is the tenth one during this movie, take place in just an arena. kind of like going to a a basketball game.
2: Yeah, and it's just a very flat arena. And, you know, it says in the movie that the first couple Hunger Games is really interesting for the population because they were, you know, interested in what was happening. But, when the arena has no place to hide, like what they had originally seen, there it was really hard for them to have a good show. And so the game maker was tasked to make a better show.
1: Or if people would lose interest in Hunger Games and ask why we do them.
2: Right. Yeah. So they wanted to continue the Hunger Games. So the way that they did that was, well, there was a bombing. Yeah. From the rebels um, that bombed the arena that actually made hiding places for yeah, the tributes opened up, it
1: opened up the catacombs and you know made hiding spaces in the rubble um and i think you know obviously it, it's a precursor to what we see in the modern or i wouldn't say modern horror games because it's not a thing but in the, in the first films where it's like they have purpose-built arenas with wild wildlife and yeah early-ish. it's a
2: spectacle too because once those once that arena is done it's done And then, you know, people can go into it and have tours of of the arena. It's a tour site. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, and I think it's kind of interesting because this is the first one where, obviously, a snow has the class project idea of, well, you know, it's going to be expectable. We wanted to make it cool. Let's see if people want to pay to send their favorite tributes food and water. Um, Obviously, you see that in the first Hunger Games movie where it's like, you know, you got to make yourself marketable. That way you can get antidotes if you're stung by... Uh, uh, an uh, What do they call them? Tracker Jackers? Tracker Jackers, yeah. yeah. Or if you are poisoned by something or another, you know, they they can send you antidotes. They can send you cures. They can keep you fed and try to keep you in the games longer. Um, so you see a lot of that precursor in this, in this film. Now let me ask you this question. We've had... Four movies of Katniss Everdeen. Now we've had this one movie with Lucy Gray. Who's a better female lead?
2: I think it depends on what you're looking into. I think that Katniss was probably a better lead. um, More because she incited, you know, the rebels. Um, But, you know, at the same time, she wasn't very personable. So, you know, she needed help from her comrades
1: from her to be her.
2: her more marketable
1: yeah Well, and, and, and I ask that I mean I ask you know as a movie goer as someone who goes and watches shows and TV and, and stuff you know you're a lot like me in terms of you know you don't care what the critics really say about some stuff you do no. you do want to see some things that are maybe critically acclaimed or anything like that but we'll go see a movie just because it looks interesting just because it trailers. entertains us yeah it's entertaining are you more entertained with the Katniss-style character or with Lucy Gray kind of character?
2: I think that Lucy Gray character is more charming, and she's her voice is really beautiful, so I think that it made it more interesting in that side of it. Um, but you know how I am. I'm a purist. I like the originals better than I do the yeah. seconds. So I would say that, you know, the Katniss Everdeen character is probably a better um, character in my mind than the Lucy Gray. But although, I mean, she is kind of mysterious, she does kind of poof into thin air. Yeah,
1: so that's my other question I'm going to ask you. Um, we don't know her fate at the end of the movie. We don't know if she was killed or if she was able to escape.
2: Yeah, but they assume that she got killed. What is your theory? I think she escaped. She escaped. And I think that, um you know and there's a lot of little hints of what's going to happen that brings him down to his downfall with you know the Katniss plant that they pick um some of the other the stuff mockingjays. the mockingjays and the um the song hanging, hanging, tree. hanging tree song you know i think that those are just little snippets of what's going to happen to bring down his ultimate downfall but um yeah i think she definitely I think she escaped and probably went off into the world, into the wilds.
1: Into the wild, into the, wild. Into the unknown.
2: A, yeah, into the unknown. <laughs> As a cave girl. As a cave girl. <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, singing to the uh, to the Bigfoots and the Yetis of the world. Yeah. All right. Well, Megan, before we dive into our next segment, I do have to ask you, and I, I think I already know your answer. Rachel Zeidler's version of The Hanging Tree. Better or worse than Jennifer Lawrence's?
2: Better. Okay.
1: That's the correct answer,
2: folks. Jennifer Lawrence does not have a great singing voice. It was decent. It was okay. I think that they probably should have dubbed her over with somebody else.
1: Maybe. Um. So, you know, folks, while we kind of talk about it... The- whoa,
2: whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe. But in the books, they say that Katniss Everdeen is a great singer. Do you think Jennifer Lawrence was a great singer?
1: She's better than me.
2: That's not the answering <laughs> the question at all. She's, not, she's not a, a good, good singer. singer. I
1: don't think she's no. a great singer. I don't think she can make a living on it. But I think she can hold her own in these kind of things. Okay. It's kind of like Anne Hathaway in, in Les Mis. Do I think she's a great singer? No. Really? Did she do good enough for the part? For a movie? Yeah. Yeah, I can live with it.
2: Wow. we're I, gonna we gonna I, agree to disagree on this. I mean it's like I think when people
1: are like, Oh, listen to um when you look at Le Miz and you look at Hugh Jackman and he has a musical career, I don't think he's got a good singing voice. I think it's okay. I mean it's better than me and I'm not I'm I am no way in shape a musical expert. I don't have a lot of formal music training. I can't carry a tune to save my life. Um but I know what I like and I would say I don't think like Hugh Jackman's singing voice is amazing.
2: I don't think it's amazing but I think anybody who was casted in Lay Mis is going to be a pretty good singer. Yeah. You don't want a, a Jennifer Lawrence to go in and sing in a Lay Mis production. No, but
1: I also don't think Anne Hathaway
2: She could great. though. She had other parts where she was singing.
1: True, true. I, I just don't think it was great and amazing. I think it was good and I'm okay with good.
2: Whatever, you love Les Mis, don't even.
1: I do. Les Mis is one of my favorite musicals of all time. Yeah. But I will say, I still think Anne Hathaway was good, not great in that. And that's a whole different conversation for another time. Right. Um, so let's talk about the music of this. I mean, there's a huge soundtrack that came out with this. Uh, we both have selections off of it. I think it's a really good soundtrack. What do you think?
2: I love the soundtrack. I think that, what's her name? Um, Zegler, Rachel Ziegler. Rachel Zeigler. Amazing voice. She could just make a career off of her voice and she'd be... I think she is. Well, I mean, she does a lot of acting, too, but I'm saying like, like she could solely be a singer and make money off of her voice. True, true.
1: Um, so, Rachel Zagler, how old do you think she is? Uh,
0: 22.
1: Yep.
2: She looks 22.
1: She is 22. She was born in 2001. Jeez, we're old. She's been in three movies. That's it.
2: Well, that's because she's 22.
1: West Side Story, Shazam, the second Shazam, and Hunger Games.
2: Because she's 22.
1: But she's going to be Snow White in the Disney remake. Live really? Action.
2: I thought that they were going to replace her.
1: No. She is Snow White. Gal Gadot is going to be the evil queen, though.
2: I know. Gal Gadot is gorgeous.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, oh. that's a different story for a different time. Yeah, no. Oh, come on. Gal Gadot is on your list.
2: No. No? No.
1: Okay. Fair enough.
2: She's too scrawny.
1: Too scrawny. She's Wonder Woman. Yeah. That theme music comes on and that could break you itself. Alright, <laughs> <You're> Megan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Megan. Well, I, we've kind of talked a little bit about the, uh, the newest Hunger Games movie, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. We're going to go ahead and dive into some hot takes.
0: Hot takes. What are they going to say this week?
1: Megan, give me a, give me which one of your hot takes. Something that bugged you about this film.
2: Something that bugged me about the film. Um, how about you start? Yeah.
1: So I would I would say one of my biggest hot takes is. I think it could have been in some part, some ways a little unnecessarily long. Um, which I it is a bad thing and a good thing. It's a bad thing because it's it's a very it's a longer film than any of the other Hunger Games movies. Um, and it's not as action packed as the other Hunger Games movies, which is not a bad thing. I don't need to have action, action, action to enjoy a movie. But it made it different because you have a longer Hunger Games movie without the action. There's a little bit more cerebral, a little bit more character-driven, which is a good thing. I just felt like going to a Hunger Games movie, expected to be a little shorter and a little bit more fast-paced.
2: Yeah, I think that that's probably one of the biggest mis- misjustices that they did to the book, was they could probably have split it into two. And Yeah, the
1: movie is listed in three parts. Like, they do yeah, part they one, have, two, and three. Exactly.
2: So I think that if you had, like, maybe the... Hunger Games split into two somehow. Um, Maybe the lead up and then the actual Hunger Games and then the after part. I think that you could probably have split it up into two movies.
1: What if they made it into like a six episode miniseries?
2: You know, I really like six episode miniseries because I feel like they're still movie quality, but you get more content out of it. So I think that that probably would have been a good idea. But they, you know, they chose the movie route. Which is, it is what it is. Yeah. I
1: mean, we own it now, so uh, we can't complain too much. We, we fed into it. Yeah. So well, give me a, give me one of your hot takes.
2: Oh, of course you're going to put me on the spot. Um, let me see. Oh. I don't know. I really liked the movie, so I really don't think I have a hot take about it. It's a hot take it.
1: that you don't have a hot take.
2: It's a hot take that I don't have a hot it, take. It's a
1: hot take that you don't have a hot take. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Some people think there are certain movies Adam, <clears throat> um, that are masterpieces and have no um, no issues, no mistakes, such as The Yawner, Blade Runner 2049.
2: Oh, God. That's so boring. <laughs> I can't stand those. I can't do the Blade Runners. I'm sorry, Adam. I are cannot you just, do them.
1: Are you sorry, or are you just, you like what you like and you don't like what you don't like?
2: I like what I like, I I don't like what I don't like, but he and my brother, for whatever reason, think those are the best movies on the planet, and I do not understand it.
1: Yeah, you and me are in the same boat. We've had many discussions, me and you on the side, me and Adam in the podcast, of how much I dislike those movies, and how much I I fall asleep to them.
2: Yeah, I think you did fall asleep when we were watching it with my brother. I think we both did. I think I was the only one that was able to stay awake through the whole thing, and then he was like, wasn't that a great movie? And I was like, no. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so no hot takes from Megan that's okay um but one thing I do want to kind of bring up and it's you know we talked about it briefly before when we were talking about movies and what entertains us is there and when we well, and I will to talk about this in a, in a different conversation I just want to get your take on this too is there any credence to what critics and award shows have to say when it comes to you going to a movie
2: no, unless if it's a movie that I may be on the fence about seeing. Uh, maybe it looks kind of interesting to me, but I don't 100% know if it is going to be good or not. I mean, maybe then, but even then, if something interests me, and it may not be the best award-winning show in the planet, if it interests me, I'm just going to watch it, and I don't care what anybody has to say about it.
1: Fair enough. Um, You know, I think a good case in point for that is um, people loved, critically acclaimed
2: Barbie. Oh, don't give me a start with Barbie. Okay, so for those women out there that are all about the Barbie thing, great, good for you. Um, Don't judge me when I say this. I did not like the movie. I thought that everything that was funny was in the credits and then you watch the movie and it was like well all the funny parts were in the credits so what was what's the point point? in me watching yeah um the trailers i'm sorry yes the trailers what's the point in me actually watching this when i've already seen everything that's funny about this movie and i get it girl power all that crap yeah yeah we get it you can you can sing its praises you know whatever um but the barbie movie was not i i don't think it was good okay
1: I haven't seen it, so I have no judgment on it, and, you know, I'm not interested in running out and seeing it. Maybe one day I'll catch it, but it's not high on my priority list just because it didn't look interesting to me. Girl power. Girl power. I mean, I have no, I have no problems with girl power. I just didn't think it was uh, something that would entertain me.
2: No, but, I mean, I do like how Barbie has come back into the planet because I feel like Barbie there for a while was kind of dropping off, but... Yeah. That's kind of cool. I mean, there are
1: certain movies that are awful movies that I'd love to watch because they're so bad.
2: Like what? Battleship. Uh, I Yeah, I've never watched it.
1: You've watched it. It was bad. You didn't want to watch well, it. Well, then
2: maybe I didn't watch it all the way. With cause... Rihanna.
1: Yeah, it's not a great movie. But it's so bad, it's good. Yeah. It's not, nothing I'll own.
2: No, I think like Starship Troopers is oh, like Starship the Troopers. worst B-rated movie that's the best at the same time. And I was
1: going to tell you, it's an amazing movie.
2: Eh. I guarantee
1: it. you can be like, it's great phenomenal it's got no issues yeah it's it's a bad movie but it's a really good bad movie
2: yeah it it i mean it's good it's something that i will definitely be entertained about but the cg was crappy the lines were kind of crappy was it a great movie it's ah, a
1: bad it's a really good bad movie
2: it was entertaining
1: yep so megan before we bow out of this episode and this podcast for the week let me do one thing I have to do with Adam I do a blind rankings oh no we're only gonna do Hunger Games movies and I'm gonna ask you for the best Hunger Games movies in order so okay. what is the best Hunger Games movie
2: best Hunger Games movie um oh I would say probably Catching Fire Okay. Was my favorite.
1: All right. So you've got. I'm going to pull up the list for you real quick here. As our Chihuahua makes tons of noise.
2: Well, he is the mascot of the podcast. Oh, that's so, true. That's all right. you know, brought to us by the podcast mascot. All right. Pip. So,
1: Catching Fire is the second film. Uh huh. What's your next favorite one? Um. Get the first. Mockingjay J one and two and then the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes.
2: I would say probably the Ballard of Songs or Snakes and whatever the Songbirds and Snakes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I cannot get the name of this movie right. I I called it the Ballard of Lucy Grey earlier. That's a song on the same <laughs> <part>. <laughs> I don't know why I can't get the stupid movie's name right. But yes, I so, think well, that I and do and like two. that as the second one. Yeah. Now
1: you've got the original and then the 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 part one and two of Mockingjay.
2: Um, I would say the original is probably the third one for me. Okay, and then probably part one, then part two.
1: All right, I can get behind that. I think for me, the first one's my favorite, followed by the Battle of Songbird and Snakes. Yeah, just because of how much world building you get in the first one for someone who didn't read the books.
2: Yes, that's true.
1: All right, well, Megan, this wraps up our episode of uh, Have a Drink, Some Geeks podcast. Um, but one thing we like to do before we leave, we like to give our, our Geek Wreck of the Week.
0: It's time for the Geek Wreck of the Week. What are the geeks going to recommend?
1: So, Megan, I'll start um, my Geek Wreck this week. Um, and it's something we're watching together, and so if you want to tag along, you can, but you probably shouldn't. Or you're looking at me like, this is this is what you want. Okay, I'll go for a different Geek Wreck. Go for yours.
2: No, go ahead. No, go ahead.
1: You, guess first.
2: No, you go ahead.
1: Ladies first.
2: Oh, my God. So um, right now we're watching For All Mankind, for those of you who haven't watched it. It's basically a what-if scenario type of series um, where what if Russia was the first one to land on the moon instead of America? And um, how does that change the world because astronauts are now competing and you know, the space program gets more money than probably anything else, probably higher than defense.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, at this point in the series, we're in season four. It's 20, 2003 in the series. Um, the moon is a mining operation that makes money and that funds NASA. So NASA actually, like, makes money for the government, and it's like they make their own money to do their, their programs. Um, the USSR is still around at this point in its history, um, instead of dissolving in 1993 like it did in real life. Um, you know, Al Gore's president, uh, it's, it's very interesting series. I like the what ifness of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's completely backwards for a lot of things. And then some things that is the same.
1: Yeah. Um. Racism, homophobia, you see a lot of that still play off nationalism. Yeah, but I feel
2: like, um, like the, the character Danny, for instance, um, she was the first black American that was a female that was up in, up on the moon. Yeah. And so I feel like in some ways...
1: And the first American on
2: Mars. And first American on Mars. I feel like in some ways at least that part was a little bit different than what we currently have in our state where we're constantly fighting for black rights. Hi. Yeah, our dogs are being ridiculous right now. If you don't... If you can't see what's happening, you just... That's the reason why we pause. We have one that's really wanting attention. The other one that's actually, you know, whining now because he's not getting attention.
1: Yeah, the big one's wedged her head between Megan and and the edge of the chair. Yep. It looks very uncomfortable.
2: Anyway, um, yeah,
1: For All My Kind, it's a good... It's a really fun series. We're about halfway through the fourth season, which is finished airing, so catch up on it. You've got tons of times of season five hits, hopefully. Um, so my geek wreck this week is something else we just finished watching recently, and that was Marvel's What If.
2: Oh, yeah. That's another one. Another What
1: If scenario. I like that one. Uh, season two, I think, was not as good as season one, but it had a lot of cool, cool episodes and stories. Um, one of the stories I really liked is what would happen if Tony Stark went to the junk planet where we saw Thor Ragnarok, and he meets uh, Gamora and overthrows the Grandmaster. That's a fun story. I also really like the Native American story, the, the Kahori.
2: The Kahori. Yeah. Well, what I really liked about that whole um, season, though, was that it became more serialized. Yeah. So there was actually a plot and there was a story. Um, you also saw a lot of little Easter eggs here and there throughout the whole entire series, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And a lot of the original actors go back to voice their characters again, except for yeah. a few, obviously. Good. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed and recommended both series I really like.
2: Well, yeah. I think we watch pretty much everything.
1: <laughs> yes. All right, folks. Well, that really does wrap up this episode of Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Uh, make sure you like, follow, subscribe, comment, tweet, toot, sit on the toilet and listen. I don't care what you do, but comment, subscribe, follow, like, on all social media platforms, at Geek TikTok, Discord, X, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, I'll slither into your snake.net. I don't know how that works. Yeah,
2: that's not, no.
1: <laughs> I'll mock your J. All right, you're done. <laughs> I have plenty more where that came from. I
2: know. Trust me, I know.
1: The ballad of the bed.
2: Okay, you're done. Let's cut <laughs> you right. off. We're cutting you All off. All
1: right, folks. Well, thanks for listening. Megan, thanks for joining us this week and filling in. Everyone have a great geek week.
2: Take it
0: easy. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Tune in next week to see what our geeky host will discuss next week. Goodbye.
1: Copyright Geek Drink Pod 2024.